welcome to the Counting Sheep for Babies Sleep podcast. We work with clients all around the world using gentle sleep methods to minimize tears and help parents feel more comfortable and confident through their sleep training journey. This podcast will be a mixture of helpful information, real talk, and lots of laughs. We will be open and honest with you about all of the good, the bad, and the ugly things you can expect in the first few years of your child's life. You will meet some amazing expert guests on the show, and I cannot wait to learn from them alongside you. Our mission here is to debunk the myths of sleep training and cry it out, and help more parents find the joy in parenthood again. If you ever need support, head over to CountingSheepConsulting.com to find lots of free resources or to book a free call to chat with us directly. So pour yourself a glass of wine or grab a cup of coffee and settle in as we talk through the tears and fears of sleep training and other parenting wins and woes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Counting Sheep for Baby Sleep podcast. I am your host, Jane Anderson, owner of Counting Sheep and Certified Sleep Coach. And we have our other certified sleep coach with us here today, Sterling Galliott. Hi, world. Hello. (laughs) Hello. It's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. We have not recorded since, what, August, I think it was. Um, Yeah, it was definitely in the summer, and our life has just been really busy, and we haven't had an opportunity to get back together. And honestly, even today, we're not together. We are in our own separate homes doing this virtually, Um, but it was about time that we finally had a conversation again together, and we've got a lot of really fun things to cover today. Um, We want to talk... We want to talk about short naps as a big topic of conversation because the amount of com- co- uh, questions and topics we've had about this recently in our Wondering Wednesdays and stuff has just been immense as well as just with our recent clients. It's been a very um, hot topic, these short naps. No, I 100% agree. So, well, it is exciting. Yeah, I think this is a big co- um, question for a lot of people as to like how to handle short naps. Um, so we're going to get some answers to you. But first of all, I just want to kind of catch up with our, our personal lives a little bit. What what has been kind of going on in your world since we chatted last throughout the fall and Christmas and stuff, Sterling? Oh, man. Like, what hasn't been going on? <laughs> like, it's actually, it has been busy, but like not at the same time. I feel like it's been so long since we've been together. Like, I like, know. Like, how many months is that? like six months or something (laughs) too many (laughs) yeah but you know like life hey so you know we went to Mexico we did a family trip in September yes yes I mean it's not really a vacation when you're taking your children (laughs) but you know it was so fun it's so fun and I just think that you know we have so many fears around travel like yeah with our kids and you know the question always is you know they're too young like they don't even care. Like they won't even remember it. And it's like, hello, people. Yeah. This is for us too. Totally. Right? Yeah. And Who so, cares if they don't remember? You know, it's it's yeah. about having those experiences together, and it still helps shape them and gives them those experiences. Oh and but you're right. It's mostly. I mean, it's still for us. We. It's not the same yeah. as going to an all inclusive, just as like twenty year olds. <laughs> but it's such. It's so fun in such a different way, and like seeing them swim every day and just get so much joy out of the unlimited cookies and you know it's wonderful yeah it's so it's like I don't know it's so wild you know like I put so much pressure on myself about going I was so high strung I was so anxious about yeah. 
traveling there, having him on a plane. Is he going to be good? Is he going to sit in his seat? Is he going to like scream, cry, have a tantrum? Uh, How is his sleep going to be when we're totally (laughs) like what? are we going to do, you know? So there's so many questions, you know, at the end of the day, it all worked out. I just, you know, fear takes over, but it was so good. And when it comes to vacation, I just feel like let's just choose like family and fun first and sleep sleep can wait until you get back. And Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Everything worked out. I was scared for nothing. He did so good. And it's what we do to he, ourselves. Yeah. He had some stroller naps. He missed some naps. He was up too late some nights. And you know why? It was just like memories you make for a lifetime. And then when we come back, back at it. Back at it. I, to me, it's worth it to have those few days where you're, you know, you're paying a ton of money to go for a week somewhere. You're not going to like go and sit in the hotel room at 6.30 p.m. and do nothing all night. Like you're going to push bedtime. You're going to have a day where they're napping on the beach under an umbrella. Like you got to make the most of it. Oh, man. So for sure. So like <laughs> – some people think that we're nuts. Like, I mean, but hello, like I'm a sleep coach, so I am a little yeah. nuts when it comes to sleep. So I was <laughs> totally in general. For, yeah. <laughs> I'm like totally forgiving about so many things, but I'm like, we should at least try like attempt a nap. So like every day, like Josh, like my husband and I would go to the room. And so we were like, okay, whatever. We'll just like hang out on the patio and like let him nap and we'll get like a couple extra like drinks or maybe grab, you know, something to eat. And it was, I'm not even kidding. It was like 40 degrees. <laughs> it was like with the humidity, it was like 40 degrees. In the room jo- or outside? Know, like, outside on the, the balcony. Oh. And Josh and I are just like sitting nope. in the balcony, like in the sun and like people down below are like, are you guys okay? And we're like, oh, kids just in here napping. And they're like, are you insane? And they would like throw like, cans of beer or bottles of water up to us. Oh my God. That's But epic. I mean, it was just way too hot some days but I mean we tried that That's a couple hilarious. times when he like really needed the sleep but I mean I don't recommend everybody doing that or putting themselves through that just for the sake of sleep but you know but you know what even extra. like my we went last Christmas to Mexico so over a year ago now and so my kids were what three and four and they didn't nap anymore but we still took an hour to two hours in the room in the afternoon because they just needed that quiet time like it's oh, yeah. too much to be swimming for eight hours a day and running around you know like they needed they would hit a wall and so yeah I think that it's kind of especially if it's that hot like you need oh, a little God. bit of a escape from it oh for sure and you know what you have to think too like how's the rest of your evening or day gonna pan out if you don't take yeah. a break and so you kind of have to exactly. you know, make a judgment call so we always try to have a nap, and if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. But that's yeah, what you do, I, I think guess. You roll with the punches. You have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, if they don't do the nap and you don't do an hour in the room or whatever, a little bit of break, then you're doing bedtime super early because they're overstimulated and, you know. Yeah. Catch 22. Doing, There's always things. Yeah, right? And we're doing it all over again. We're actually going to Cuba at the end of March. I this know. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> This time we have a connecting flight in Toronto with a bit of a layover, oh, and so I'm a little bit nervous. But I mean, I feel like You'll you know, roll with I'm, it. It's fine. It's fine. This is a big. I've been to Cuba. Trip. Yeah, and it's gonna be a good one. Oh, that's good. So you've got more people, more hands, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So that was my September. I mean, that feels like forever ago. Here we are, February first. Yeah. first. And I know. We're like, that's our September, and then you. Know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, we it's been a really good few months. We've been uh, – my kids have just been every second week home with some sort of bug. 
just the germs this year. I know we're not alone in that. My family, there's a lot of things going around. We just got over the stomach flu a week ago. Um, Yeah. So I just feel like my kids have been home probably half of the time since they started school. Like Georgia just started, my oldest just started kindergarten in September and I swear she's been home half the time. So it's just sort of feels like one of those phases right now Ugh. where we can't really every time you feel like okay we're in a routine we're catching up we're going on like in this momentum moving forward and then the next day someone's puked in their bed and you're back to score one and so it has been kind of hard for me to kind of get ahead and and feel that way but behind the scenes you and I have been doing quite a few things which is I think we've kind of put it out there on Instagram and stuff but I'd love to kind of dive into that so you yourself made a choice in the fall why don't you tell us a little about that yeah so you know I wanted to like step up my game my sleep game a little <laughs> bit you know I love being a sleep coach and I love you know helping kids all ages but that first year is like really special to me and the little teeny yeah it is different and those little teeny tiny babies um especially so I that's I decided to become a a newborn sleep specialist so I got you know my certification in that and we have been building a guide that's rolled out and put a lot of work into it added a lot of value and content really excited about it I'm so pumped so I had a new I you know when I did my certification you did the same certification as me so it it covers newborn sleep pretty in depth but I after reading you know I, I created a newborn guide based off of my experience and what I learned from that, um, which I did think was really beneficial and informative, but you took that guide and doubled, if not tripled the length of it and the value and the information in there. And I read that, read through it and was like, okay, for sure. Like the certification that you got was so much more in depth that you were the expert now. Like I'm learning things from you when it comes to newborn sleep. So, um, I think it's incredible. I read through, obviously went through the guide and we, we kind of vamped it up together. And like, I even myself learned a lot through, through reading what you created for us. So yeah, super excited. Me too. And you know, I, um, I've said this before, like, you know, people who don't really, you know, know us outside of like, you know, the real world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't know us outside of this and know us in the real world. Yeah. My sleep training journey was so much different because I started it the day I took my son home from the hospital. Yeah. And so I kind of recognized a gap where there's a lot of things that we can be doing in the beginning in those first three months that can mm-hmm. either help limit the need of, you know, I hate the word formal, like formal sleep training, but you know what I mean? We normally wait until like around that four month mark, but there's so many things we can implement and start beforehand to make that a smoother transition. And when I did that in my own personal experience and now putting it all together, it's like so neat to see, you know, and it's really interesting too. Like this lady I'm working with, she said, you know what? He's not even four months old and my little baby, he's already independently able to put himself to sleep. And I'm like, that is the ultimate goal of sleep Mm -hmm. training. And so once you learn that, you know, foundational skill or, you know, that thing that works to get them asleep for your child yeah. and you're kind of going to be set, you know? And so hearing that feedback, hearing that feedback already is like awesome, you know, like all the hard work Absolutely. that you and I put into it. And now other people are finally getting to like see the results so early. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is someone who had purchased the guide and had already started sort of implementing some things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and cool. I agree. 
Yeah. I agree. I think in the first, obviously newborns need so much support, you know, in no way, like you said, we are not quote unquote sleep training, but you like, it's just laying that foundation and working on certain habits, like uh, routine. The bedtime routine is a really good example. We get asked a lot, like, when do you start doing a routine? And my answer to that is the day you get home from the hospital, right? I mean, kid, babies, I like to think of it like, and pardon me, but I, I call <laughs> babies potatoes. Like they're just like this little, <laughs> especially newborns, like they're little, just these little potatoes wrapped up in a swaddle, like this sweet, sweet little baked potato that really has no say in their life, right? Like they are just along for the ride. They fall asleep in the car seat. They wake up in a crib, you know, like it's just confusing as heck for them. So any way that we can set them up to understand like what's going to happen next? Where are we going from here? Is it time to sleep? Is it time to eat? And just sort of helping them understand like what is coming up? What can I expect now? What's mom going to do now? Um, and a bedtime routine is a great way to just introduce that right from the get-go. 100%. Like I always say that any age, if you yeah. don't already have a consistent bedtime routine, get on it. And yeah. that's the very first, like that's the first thing you can do from day one when they're one day old or however many days old they are coming home, you know? So yeah, super helpful. Yeah. yeah. So I just love being able to support and offer some guidance, especially during those first couple of months. But yeah, we'll probably get into that a little bit later, like dive deeper in what like the guide looks like and all that stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah. We can definitely do that. So um, yeah, super exciting. I guess that was, that's sort of what we, you and I have been focusing on for the past couple of months is getting that guide in order and getting it published and everything. And now we're just sort of trying to find those newborns, right? That we could, that you guys, you can get in touch with and help guide those parents. Cause oh man, the newborn phase is probably just the hardest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is <laughs> actually, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that because I'm literally living in the thick of it. Like I'm in the smack dab. Terrible middle, twos. The terrible twos. And oh, yeah, I mean, you think, you, <laughs> you think it's a you're different like game. Done. Oh man. He talks back and he has like an attitude. It's a little bit different. Then the challenges are come from like exhaustion and like sleep yeah. deprivation, you know, and you just don't really know what you're doing. You're like, I'm trying to keep myself alive. And now I got to try to keep a little tiny human yeah. alive. And if you have other tiny humans, you know, the struggle is, is really challenging. Balance. But, Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with that newborn age, I do miss just like having them in their bucket seat or like having them strapped. Oh, to for and sure. Just <laughs> they can't move. Them. You put them on the ground and they're gonna stay there. They're not gonna crawl down the stairs. Yeah, yeah they all. Every phase has their own stages. I think for me, what was the hardest with the newborn phase, when it, whether it was my first kid or when I had two under two, it was the fact that I was healing and going through so much postpartum things myself that that at least when they're toddlers like it's a total different ball game and difficult in its own ways everything has their own challenges but at least I'm not also dealing with bleeding nipples and a (laughs) c-section scar and (laughs) these hormones that make me smell like an old 40 year old (laughs) Russian man like (laughs) I I didn't feel like myself at all for the first like year after having a baby so um, that that's a lot to kind of overcome and adjust to. Yeah. And you know, I sometimes, you know, even sometimes I feel like in our consultation calls, just sharing like experience of what that was like for you is like really comforting to some other women. And yeah, so it's really exciting. Really happy with like the growth of this package and like all the exciting things around it for, you know, the rest of the year. And we're here we are in February. Absolutely. I think the biggest 
the biggest impact it's going to, or a big impact that it will, we will see is, is just letting parents know like what's normal. What the, we hear so often about them kind of, you know, Oh yeah, I did this baby mommy and me class. So I know 12 other babies that were born within a week of mine and they're all doing these crazy different things. One's sleeping through the night, one's waking every hour, one's nursing, one's, you know, there's so many, everyone's journey is so different and every baby is so different that it's just sort of about, explaining understanding what is normal what is to be expected and honestly before you have a baby like how can you really know yeah and I feel like everything is normal and nothing is normal at the same time (laughs) yeah that's a really good way to put it it's true it's it's like nothing is ever going to be the same um but everything is also normal that you're going through even though it's completely different than what I might be going through yeah exactly well and even as a parent who has two kids like both of my kids gave me such different challenges right so I've worked with families of two or three kids or four kids and it's like well I was fine with the others but this one is stumped me you know so (laughs) It happens. Um, One, go ahead. No, no, that's just a good point. That's all I was gonna say. (laughs) Um, One thing that I learned from the guide that I did not know before, and I found really fascinating, and actually just keep kind of holding on to this thought and thinking about it with other babies I'm working with and even my own kids is something that you mentioned. And I know it is related to newborns in in specific, but um, maybe you can just talk a little bit about how newborn babies and their brains can only focus on three things at once. Yeah. So Tracy Hogg, she's has this theory, I guess it's like a theory based approach, like anything sleep training, I feel like. Um, Yeah, often. (laughs) um, (laughs) There is a science to it, but anyway, um, Yeah, she has this theory that children or babies, infants, specifically three months and under, aren't able to hold three thoughts simultaneously. So we tend to find other ways to distract them. Actually, we don't tend to. We should shift our focus to find other ways to. to, Yeah, try to distract them. And it's really interesting that you said that because you said that you took it away for your own kids. And I even found with my two and a half year old, it worked. And so it is developed for three months and under. So if you're Mm -hmm. like holding them, you know, patting their back and going like, shh, like kind of like those three things combined, like the shushing, the padding, and maybe like the rocking or even comparable to like the five S's from Dr. Harvey Carb. That's Um, right. How we're distracting them and then they start putting their focus on something else. And so the crying Mm -hmm. tends to be the first thing that goes away. And yeah, just before, you know, we hopped on this podcast, I was saying, you know, my little guy, he's potty training. And last night was like his first like real night waking due to like potty training in a while. And he was like pretty upset trying to get back to sleep. And I just kind of, you know, crib side, rubbed his back, you know, tapped him kind of even at two and a half. And he literally soothed himself, you know, back down to like being calm. And so it is yeah. interesting that some of those techniques that you can continue to use. But yeah, that's super neat. Hey, that I thought that was so cool. They like, and it, they can't hold three thought, three thoughts. Yeah, no, goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes so much sense. Like talking about the five S's, let's just mention what those are. So we've got the shushing, swinging, sucking, swaddle, and I'm missing one swinging. Shush, suck, 
swaddle side side position I think side position is. and then side swinging position. yes yeah. side position so for for newborns you know you're standing up with them you put them either on your one arm on their tummy or on their side position and then we give them a soother for the sucking we rock for the swing and we we pat for their bum for the and all those things kind of you're right it takes away from the three things and gives them like yeah. all of a sudden it's too many things for them to also cry and be upset about something else Um, And I do, I use, I've noticed since I learned that fact, I do recognize that obviously like toddlers are a little bit different, but it still comes down to like the art of distraction. Like Mm -hmm. with my kids, I use it so much. If they're so upset, they're fighting over a toy or they're upset about uh, their wrapper, you know, snack wrapper, anything, anything. (laughs) It's just like, okay, how can I move their focus to something else? And sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time it's like, I'm really successful at getting them to like move away from whatever it was that was upsetting them by shifting their focus elsewhere. Super cool though. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I think too, like with a lot of the things with sleep training that, you know, people might not realize until their kids are older is like how every skill that you learn, like every tool in your toolbox that you start from day Mm -hmm. one with sleep training can carry you throughout to like now your kids are school age, you know, and it always comes back down to those foundations. Like when your kids were six, like how's that adjustment been with them being so sick? Like how's their sleep? Mm-hmm. Our biggest thing with our the the biggest kind of struggle with my sleep, their sleep, has been when they come into the night, uh, like in the, our bed in the middle of the night when they're sick, and they've been like this most recent bug we got was the stomach flu, like actual vomiting Ugh. overnight in their bed and Ugh. switching sheets and you know. So in cases like that, I'm not like get back to your bed. What are you doing here? I'm like come <laughs> on in, you know. Let's I've got the bowl here. We'll we'll hug it together. <laughs> That's kind of the scenario we were at. So then of course when they are healthy, yeah, no, 3 a.m. Sometimes you feel the little climbing into bed and, and now it's get back to like, no, no, we sleep in our own bed now and I'll walk them down. And uh, But, you know, we're – the other thing too is um, – you know, I, I didn't mention this yet, but my in the fall or sorry, in the fall over Christmas on Boxing Day, actually, we had to put my dog down and my kids were not super close with the dog, but they I was <laughs> I had yeah. my him since I was what, 20 years old. Like he was my first baby. Um, he was the one that was with me when I found out I was pregnant, like I cried on his shoulder. Like yeah, he's been, I get I, it. I, I, I've been through Ugh, divorce I, with him and lots. So it took a lot for me to get over. I'm still not over it. I still have yeah. a day, t- moments, right? And they've seen me cry a lot over Murphy, my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't super close with him. Their kids are just funny. Like one of their friends came over after school and they came in the house and my oldest is just like, oh yeah, Murphy's dead. Did you know Murphy's <laughs> dead now? And her friend's like, oh well, my dog's not dead. You can come pet my dog. And like kids are just so funny, right? Like they don't quite. Anyway, so they had no emotional reaction to like losing Murphy, it didn't feel like, but they were very attached to me. So saying goodbye, since he passed, they have cried almost every drop off. And it's just because they don't want to say goodbye to me. So it's just interesting how like little things, you know, I didn't think they would be that impacted because they didn't really care for Murphy all that much. He wasn't their jam. He's an old dog and they just (laughs) ignored each other all the time. But it it was my, how I was being impacted, it really had a huge hit on their emotional, like just that separation anxiety went through the roof. So um, the whole time you're talking, I have chills, you know, I have like a 
a almost 13 year old dog and so yeah oh, I get I so sad and it's interesting you know how kids pick up on that energy and that like shift of emotion you know mm-hmm. you don't know how they're gonna react um but it wasn't how I expected that's for sure but you you roll with it and you do your best but I'm not I've always been the type of parent and person that like if if I'm upset and I'm feeling emotions they're gonna see them I don't hide in the bathroom to cry like I very much if I'm feeling sad I talk about why I'm feeling sad and let's talk it through and they're sad for me and yeah so um and maybe it was maybe I should have held it back a little (laughs) because they were really um just worried about me so much so I I think I maybe learned a little bit there too that like we got to be open people and show them those emotions and let them know those emotions are good and they're big and we all have them. But um, maybe I could have withheld a little bit of my sadness from for their sake. Uh, I don't think <laughs> so. I don't feel Lord. like there's no like, I don't think there's like a right or wrong way, you know, we just, no. we grieve and we get upset and that's like just it, showing our emotions and then moving on, you know, that's just the way she Yeah. Is. Even with anger, like sometimes I just be yeah. like, oh. Would you dogs get out of my way? Or then Edison will be mm. like, oh, mommy, I don't like it when you raise your voice. I'm like, sorry, you know. <laughs> I didn't mean to raise my voice. I'm not angry. Yeah. I was just like really frustrated. And sometimes I think in both situations, sadness or like I'm air quoting anger. I feel like yeah, my, raising my voice at my dog is an anger, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like showing any real emotion like that is really important at their age. But I'm so sorry. Rest in peace, Murphy. This episode should be dedicated to Murphy. Oh. What's his full name? <laughs> Mur- Murphy Jebediah Anderson. I love it. <laughs> This one's for you, yeah. Murph. Murph. I know. I miss him so much, but he was a good dog. Anyways, yeah. we will we shall move on. So um let's talk a little bit about short naps, because this is just a topic that has been coming up so much, as I said. Um, and we had chatted a couple months ago and said we wanted to talk about this because you were specifically working with a family at that time, and that was sort of the main struggle within that sleep training scenario. Um, but honestly, I've got – actually, you know what? I'm working with five babies right now, and, na- and naps are not – night sleep is what we're struggling with. Um, but lots of ask-me-anything questions and things like that with, with the short nap. So um, – um, with you, when, if you can remember and take yourself back to that, was it wake window related? What did you feel like was the biggest kind of contributing factor there? Oh man. So it's really interesting too. Like, first of all, like, it's so funny how all these questions kind of just like come in waves. It's like 18 yeah. month regression questions, like every day for like a week. And then it's just like yeah. short naps. It's like, everybody's kind of like riding the same wave. So it's true. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things just about short naps. And it's funny because that family that it, like that you're speaking about specifically um, with short naps and even the family that I'm working with right now, um, short naps was kind of a, a pretty big issue for them. And, you know, if you look outside, like most of the time it comes down to sleep pressure, too much, too little, that pretty much resolves, I'd say like 50% of short naps, given the range. I agree. You know, it's like, are you following the wake wake windows? And, you know, wake windows are a whole other thing. And I think we'll get to that in our next point. But yeah, making sure sleep pressure is correct. Okay. And sometimes involving a coach is like the best way to figure out like, what is the right sleep pressure for your little one? Because it's not one size fit all just because your kid's six and a month, six months old. And every kid is at two and a half hour week window, because that's what it's supposed to be. Like 
it's a guideline it is not yeah it's not cookie cutter yeah and I like that I like that you said sometimes people do need a a coach or, or sort of an outside opinion because the funny thing about sleep pressure is if we're putting our babies down too early and they're undertired they're not ready for that nap versus mm-hmm. the flip side would be we're putting them down too late and they're overtired well undertired and overtired have the same result you know we're yep. going to see short naps we're going to see difficulty getting to sleep maybe early mornings more night wakings maybe split nights and so well was it overtired or undertired right so finding out like talking to someone and saying you know what are how old is your baby what wake weeks are you using what is our day sleep totals what are their sleep needs like are they high needs are they low needs and yeah. then we can kind of say okay well, based on everything and your child's age and all of those factors, most likely it's undertired or most likely it's overtired. And then we can kind of tweak from there. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. So I think that's the biggest one. So never be afraid to like reach out, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. connect with a coach to be like, you know, I, am I following the wake window? Am I following yeah. like this correctly? That can be a huge thing. You know what? The other thing, especially when it comes to newborns or children under the age of six months is that- yeah erratic sleep is completely normal. So like, even if you were to like hire one of us or hire a sleep coach and the goal is to extend, extend naps, like, you know, what does that look like for your child? It still might only be 30 minutes. It might be 45 minutes. You know what I mean? The goal is to obviously extend it, but let's like have that expectation of like, you know, this is completely normal for kids under six months, especially depending on their individual needs. So yeah. Yeah, and further, furthermore, it's a word that makes you feel smart. <laughs> furthermore, <laughs> um, you know those newborns, the little teeny tiny ones. When you're three months and under, like we want them sleeping long periods of time because we are exhausted. Like, yeah, true. Like exhausted. Like the first week, like I don't know. Like I was like on adrenaline or something. I was like, go, 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 yeah. go, go. I'm like, I love this. Like this isn't impacting me at all. Like I'm completely fine. <laughs> like having like, slept in days. Yeah, like a maniac. Wearing a diaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then um, you know, you see things online being like, you know, and then obviously that completely changed in a real hurry. Like two weeks, I'm like, like yeah, crash, right? Then. And um, then you start reading things like, oh, you know, like little Billy or little Bobby, you know, they're sleeping like six hours a night and they've only been home for the hospital for three days. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, like, what do we got to do, y'all? <laughs> like, I'm doing something wrong. And, you know, even with mm-hmm. my guy, he was a little bit lower weight. Like he was six pounds, which is like pretty low. Like he wasn't a preemie, yeah. but he was pretty low. For, for full a, grown. That's pretty for low, a, yeah. yeah, for a boy. And, you know, he had to, you know, be on somewhat of a feeding schedule in the beginning to like make sure that yeah. he was like gaining, right? And because of that, yeah. like he wasn't able to sleep long stretches. I had to, you know, wake to feed for I think it was like the first month, if anything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? And then we kind of went to more of like a feeding on demand schedule. But, you know, that need alone might look different than a different family, like a different friend or family member. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. your kid is at their goal weight and is already sleeping, you know, maybe and two, like their biological needs, their stomach size, it empties quick. So it needs to be refilled quick. They're That's growing right. a yeah. lot. Some babies are like, you know, double, tripling <laughs> their weight and length. And there's so many changes going on and that's going to disturb their sleep. So I think like having just 
for lack of a better term, reality check <laughs> or like having that like yeah, expectation. A realistic. Yeah, like this is that newborn life and it has challenges and there's going to be some missed, like some missed, some off days where you're just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just think that expectation is a huge one as well. I agree. The thing about newborn sleep, like you said, erratic is a great way to describe it. One nap might be 20 minutes and the next one's two hours, right? So so you're not going to see a lot of predictability there or consistency. Your days will be, every day is going to look different and probably even beyond the newborn phase, your every day will look different because you're following wake windows for the first several months. Um, but if, let's say, especially if your baby is over six months and you're trying to work on dropping the third nap or, but every, all the naps are too short, like there are some ways that we can kind of help them extend those out. So when it comes to a sleep cycle for infants, you know, one sleep cycle is generally 30 to 45 minutes. So they're Mm going to sleep 34 minutes on the dot and (laughs) wake up and that's all they'll ever do is they'll just get through one sleep cycle and that's it. So going back to what you said, sleep pressure is a big part of that. If we don't have enough sleep pressure, they're not going to be able to connect their cycles and, and extend Absolutely. that nap out longer, right? Yeah. Um, but maybe they're four or five months old, we're nailing the wake window, but just biologically, they are not old enough and developed enough to be connecting those cycles more naturally. For sure. So yep. a few things we can do, some more hands-on than others Um, but we can sometimes we've had a lot of success as coaches with this is even if they're under six months teaching their bodies to kind of connect those cycles more naturally and extend these naps out like you said doesn't always work sometimes they do just need more growth and more time yeah um but let's talk through a couple kind of techniques that we could use so um some that are a little bit more hands-on being like a full nap rescue right so a couple options with that, like if you're, say, let's say at 34 minutes, your child always wakes up, well, we could actually be preemptive and go into the room ahead of time. Um, usually I don't always suggest this unless it's like they are can never rescue a nap, you know, like yeah. why go in and wait, like let's wait for them to wake up. And then once you hear them stirring, get in there sooner than later so they don't get too woken and you can kind of for have sure. more success with hopefully comforting them beside the crib and getting them back to sleep. Or maybe we do pick them up and contact nap for the rest, but that's going to increase our day sleep. Right. And allow us to maybe skip a nap or get more nap time in throughout the day. If that's a concern. A hundred percent. And I think too, no matter what your approach is, is let's have a plan and let's be consistent and stick to it with the way that you want to approach nap times. Right. And so we will look at daytime sleep and we look at nighttime sleep you know, sometimes it's like, what's going on? Like, what's the difference? You know, how's the environment? Because sometimes changing up the environment can be so helpful. Like, like this just popped up right now because this happened Mm -hmm. to my family that I'm working, excuse with, excuse me, with right now. So they had um, the nursery or their bedroom set up with um, blackout curtains or um, the noise machine wasn't set to like, like a white noise or like a static noise that we typically recommend. And the first nap, the first time they put the blackout curtains and they put the noise machine in, um, I think she had like an hour and 45 minute nap. Wow. Wow. It's huge. So, you know, making sure that your environment as well as like sleep pressure makes a huge difference because there's construction going on. There's light coming in. The sun shines on your house differently. You can get hot. Like there's so many things going on during the day and that can totally make a difference, right? 
Totally. So, yeah. I think light is a big one, especially for naps, right? I mean, we have to make sure that sun's not blaring in and, and causing that disruption. Yeah. So your little one there, we're trying to nap rescue. We go in and approach like, what if that isn't working? Like, what do you, what's another way that we want to try to like extend their nap time? Like what else can we do yeah. to get them back yeah. down? So if let's say that we go in, uh, whether it's ahead of time, we went in at, two, at 30 minutes and at 34 minutes, they start stirring and we start shushing and patting their bum and trying to get help them get back to sleep. Maybe they are just immediately like, there's no way you're going to get them back down. You can tell. So at that point, you know, we don't have to push them they're, If they're not going to go back to sleep, they're not going to go back to sleep. Uh, but one way thing that we can do is something called the crib hour. Um, other coaches I've seen market it more as like the crib 75. And um, reason for that is, you know, one sleep cycle is 30 to 45 minutes. So we kind of want to take what your baby's sleep cycle is and double it. So if they're so, 30 minutes. Then so when, like, if you're like a family and you're like, hey, like I've been, you're say you got the unlimited package and I'm texting you and I'm yeah. like, Jane, my baby's only been <laughs> yeah. sleeping for 30 minutes and like, I'm going to like, they're waking up and I don't know what to do. And I try to like go in and like do a nap rescue and they're not accepting like, it's only 30 minutes. Like, is there a time I should wait? Like, what should I do? Is 30 minutes? Is it 40 minutes? Like what, what does that look like? You know? Yeah. What is so a short doing, nap? So what a short nap uh, is kind of considered one sleep cycle, right? So if we're seeing that 30 to 45 minutes, like for some babies, that's good. You know, it's not like that's a bad nap. That's a good nap. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's not, you know, they're not connecting those sleep cycles. They're not getting more than one cycle in. So technically it is kind of on the shorter end. We mm -hmm. want to see at least one nap a day where they're connecting those cycles, even if that means we're helping them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say, I would just say most, most babies naturally, the first nap of the day is the longer, more restorative one. They usually aren't meeting their full wake window in the morning either. Like they're mm -hmm. just a little bit drowsier. You know, if you're like, we're, keeps talking about six months at two and a half hours. We'll keep using that example. Yeah. If you're doing two and a half hours throughout the day, well, maybe before nap one, it's only 220 or 215 because they can't quite stay awake for as long. So we'll put them down for that. If you are planning on rescuing a nap, usually you'll have the most success with the first nap. Um, mm -hmm. But every baby's different. Some babies, their the afternoon nap is the longer one. So kind, you know your baby best, kind of play off of that. Um, but if we go in, and they've woken up after the 30 minutes and we're attempting to get them back down and we've decided, no, this isn't going anywhere. Then what we can plan to do is keep them in their sleep space for a little bit. So our goal is to have them in their crib for 60 minutes, the crib hour or 75 minutes. If your baby is more like a 45 minute sleep cycle length. Um, and with that, uh, that's time in crib. So maybe you put them down at 10 AM and they fall asleep at 10 15 and we'll wake up at 10 45. Well, in that scenario, our goal is to kind of be, we can be in there comforting them. If they're just chill and playing with their fingers, singing songs, like we don't even have to go into the room. We can just leave them. Our goal would be to keep them in that space until 11. So it's one full hour in the dark, in their sleep environment, their bodies being signaled by all these things, keep producing melatonin. You should be sleeping. So if we do that for a few days or a week consistently, their body is going to learn, hey, this is, I'm in bed for twice as long as I'm sleeping for. Maybe I should sleep a little longer. And it just sort of nat naturally <laughs> teaches like, their body, right? Maybe I, <laughs> maybe my mom is telling me I should be doing something different here. <laughs> yeah. 
telepathically <laughs> we are teaching them <laughs> and uh, then what it happens. really does work but then what happens? So then, like, now my baby only slept for a half hour. They've been in their crib for 30 minutes. They're supposed to be in there for an hour. Like, do I start – like, do we start a whole new awake window, you know? Like, that's yeah. the question. So, like, what happens after that? So if we go to my example where it was 10 to 11, even though it was only 30 minutes of true sleep, it counts as an hour of their total day sleep. Okay, so in terms of like, you know, six and a half, six month old, we can go up to about three and a half hours total day sleep, maybe up to four, but you know, with that, so that would be one full hour out of their total day sleep. They don't need four hours, they don't need three and a half hours, those are just maximums, but we, you know, we want to just sort of see when we're counting their total day sleep and their wake windows, we're using that time in crib. So if we remove them at 11, even though they've been up since 1045, we still start our wake window, which in this scenario would be two and a half hours at 11. So our next nap would be around 1.30. Even if they don't fall asleep till two, it's still 1.30, we'd be laying them down in the crib. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason why I asked that is because, you know, it's a really good, like, um, point you know like it's a it's like a hiccup you run into and you're like eh, like you know what do I do now it's a short nap so does that mean like my wake windows need to be adjusted for the rest of the day or are they going to have a harder time making it to like that next wake window and so yeah it's um really teaching them that being in there for that one hour extending up to an hour is yeah like you're like you said consistently showing them that that's going to kind of be like the new expectation for sleep right and yeah, that exactly. still counts towards the rest of like their their nap time so yeah, yeah it's just like interesting because well, even though they're not technically sleeping they are resting <laughs> exactly there it's a graze area kind of but if you think about it like they're not building sleep pressure up laying in the darkness being told like produce melatonin by all these their environment their, their body's more in rest mode than it is in building sleep pressure. They're not being stimulated by their, their environment. And that's what we need for their wake window. Otherwise they're not, yeah. they're not building sleep pressure up in there. So, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you made a good point that I wanted to just touch on, you know, if they have a short nap, if they sleep 30 minutes versus two hours, in you know a two-hour crib nap versus a 30-minute car nap like obviously that's going to burn their sleep pressure off a little bit differently they're going to feel a lot mm -hmm. more well rested after a two-hour crib nap right yeah. um, versus just a quick quick nap on the go on the way to swimming lessons sort of thing so so be mindful of those you might notice if the nap was really short like maybe that wake window is a little bit shorter before the next nap if they had a really solid amazing nap wake up feeling well rested you might notice they need maybe 10 more minutes before they're ready for the next nap, right? So just use your logic and your, your gut feelings there and watch for their cues. Yeah. <clears throat> no, totally. And I think like even those just small little things like nap rescue, extending time laying in the crib, you know, for crib hours, mm -hmm. is, like super help helpful. And as well as making sure that you like your wake windows are on point and link in the beginning Absolutely. Yeah, like in the beginning, we were talking about like, what is even like a wake window and, you know, a wake window is, you know, is the amount of time that basically your little one is placed and then removed from, oh, sorry, not placed, sorry, the opposite, from the time they removed, are removed yeah. until the time they were placed back down in their, in their sleep space, right? Yeah, and we right. always want to follow a wake window to the best of our ability. Like that's, we want to lead, we say lead with a wake window, but yeah follow their sleepy cues right and so that's, that's kind right. of like where that comes into play with these wake windows and with short naps or anything else right so a new we remove them from their sleep space we're going to start a new wake window 
And we're probably going to have like a good indicator, you know, of based on like what their nap was like on like when their next nap is going to be exactly like what yeah. you said. Say they're having a two hour nap, they're waking at 11, like they're going to be totally okay to make it two and a half hours to their next wake window. You know what yeah. I mean? Unless like, you know, they're sick yeah. or something. But you know, if they're having a 30 minute nap and we're coming to those last like 15, 30 minutes of that wake window leading with that wake window and then watching those sleepy cues, avoiding overtiredness yeah. is always like your best bet, right? We Like yeah. I said, lead with the wake window and then watch them. Like what does it even look like to be tired, you know? <laughs> like so. And so much of it is just about learning your baby's cues and your baby's mm-hmm. noises and their cries. Is this a pain cry or a hunger cry? Are they tired or are they grumpy? Are they teething? You know, and so yeah. a lot of it just comes with time too. Like you need to just learn what your baby's behavior is like, right? Um, and then trust your gut. Know that like, you know, we're not pushing them to get to this clock, nap time or whatever. Like follow your gut um, and, and their lead on it if necessary. Yeah. Sometimes too, I get, I feel like we get like really hung up on following like everything exactly. And while Mm -hmm. like, like the emphasis is on being like consistent and sticking to like the plan, like per se, like nothing bad's going to happen if you're like, you know, you're trying to make your own judgment call based on like what you're seeing at that time. And you're like, oh, I thought putting him down early or her down early was going to be your best bet. And then, you know, it kind of backfired. Maybe their nap ended up being a bit short. You just like, you just move on from it. You know what I mean? We wake up, wake up, we start a new window and we're just going to move on from it. And then like next time, like maybe we won't do that. And so I just feel like, just because one nap was failed, it doesn't mean like everything's going to like go sideways on you. We just try again next time. Absolutely. M- yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. Right. And no yeah. day, every day is going to be a little bit different. So you do have to kind of push expectations aside. I do find the parents, like people who are really type A and like need a plan, everything's written down and structure, structure, structure. They struggle a little bit more just because you do have to learn to let go of something that mm-hmm. be a little bit more like roll with the punches. Right. Um, but the first year it's just like a lot of math it's like okay if they wake up at this time when's the next nap wait but then how long how long can that nap be because then we have to have a third nap in there too so it is just like you do need to be really mindful and kind of on top of it which people don't really talk about how much math is involved I know you know you know that meme it's like Julia Roberts and it's like the triangle and she's like staring it's like that it's like it's like what honestly I worked at we both come from the banking world I worked for 12 years in finance and I have done more math as a sleep coach than I did in an entire 12 years as a banker I know it's like the the company we work for like simplified it uh you know so that the computers did everything for us you know you didn't didn't even have a calculator now I'm like manual math like oh dear (laughs) but it is hard my fingers me too. And yeah. sometimes, you know, when you do like a consultation call with somebody and you're just like, okay, so they woke up what time? And you're like, okay, 12 to, yeah. 12 to 2, 2 to 3. And you're like, sorry. I'm like, I just like, Talking out loud. I'm like, I don't know mental math yet. I'm sorry. Like I'm an old lady and math isn't like my strong suit. No, it's so true. I'm like, okay, so one o'clock counting on my fingers, two o'clock, three o'clock. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Or I used to But there, there's the a lot involved. Yeah. Or like when I was like trying to figure it out, I'd be like, okay, so I want bedtime to be 7.30. So that means yeah. my wake Work up backwards. is three hours he needs to wake yeah. up. And I was like, which at four o'clock, so no later than four o'clock, which means I need to put him down like no later than like 3 p.m. You know what I mean? And you like work your whole day backwards, but it is. It's so well, much and what's, 
It really is. And I honestly feel like so much of this being a sleep coach is just training other parents to, to think that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? It really, it's just sort of like, how do we simplify this so that you can move forward and like know exactly how to, because every day it's like, oh, well, if that nap wasn't as long as you thought it was going to be, well, how are we going to change gears? How are we going to fix this? Right. There's always, usually it's like, there's one or two options or maybe even three options. There's no right or wrong, but it's like, well, what's going to be the most successful? What's going to feel the less stressful for me? Um, Right. Yeah. And like, just because like you're sleep training your child doesn't mean that your kid's going to sleep three hours max during the day, you know, like the four, like, you know what I mean? They're not going to get like every minute of sleep all the time, seven days a week, like 30 days a month. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're going to yeah. like, ha- like my kid, he's two and a half. Like we still have times when we're like, oh crap. Like this is like a rough day. You know what I mean? But rough you know time. how to approach it, you know? And it's like, you just have to be yeah. prepared for that. So um, it comes no matter what the age is. Well, and I like what you, I like a a point that you made is like, you know, you, we all go in with the best intentions and, you know, we want to be hopeful for the best, but prepared for the worst sometimes. Right. But Mm -hmm. if, if, if whatever you had in mind, rescuing a nap or an early late bedtime or whatever, if it fails, like we'll, we'll learn from it, you know, tomorrow's a new day, but also it tells us, okay, well, what, why didn't that work? you know, was it undertired? Was it overtired? We need to pull back on this. Like it, it allows us to kind of figure out what we need to tweak as well. Right. So sometimes sure. we have to fail in order to succeed. <laughs> right. So. I know. And sometimes too, like when we start like working with a new family, some days like that first week can be of a bit of like a struggle because you're trying to figure out what that sleep need is. So it feels like there's a yeah. lot of back and forth, you know, trying to figure out what that looks like. And, you yeah. know, if you do want to do sleep training, you know, that's just kind of be, that's to be expected. And that doesn't mean that there's like anything um, different or wrong or makes it more challenging to like work with your kid. It's just, that's why you probably hired a coach is because you couldn't yeah. figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, takes, it takes time. If sleep was easy, well, and- everybody would be doing it. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? If it was so and we'd easy. all be sleeping. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. cool. Well, point. I, I think one way to think of it too is like, we know every baby's so different. So we need to figure out what your baby's needs are too. Are they high needs, sleep needs? Are they low sleep needs? What are their perfect wake windows? It takes a bit of time to like, see what your sleep log is doing before we can say, okay, for your baby, like this is what's maybe happening. Yeah. Um, so I grabbed a few questions that were kind of related to short naps and, and whatnot um, from our Wondering Wednesday. So every Wednesday we do a Q&A for those of you who aren't aware. And mm-hmm. uh, we we usually, you know, every week's a little different, but we're usually somewhere between like 20 and 50 questions. Like we do get a fair amount. And recently they've been a lot about four months regressions. I know. <laughs> um, we're like, what was going on? <laughs> I know. There's been a lot of four month regression questions. So I think that's a topic we should have in itself. It's just the four month regression. We'll talk about that one soon. And 18 month regression is a big one right now too. I think Huge. we will have a talk about maybe a blog coming out for that soon as well. Um, But the other one has been short naps. So um, I pulled just a few of them and I'm going to read them and we'll kind of talk about how each of us would sort of answer them and our thoughts on it. Um, So this one, yeah, is kind of what we've already been talking about. So a newly five month old never has never slept past 32 minutes, even though she falls asleep on her own. Five month old will not sleep past the 32 minutes. So 
to me, it sounds like that premier sleep cycle yeah. is 32 minutes on the dot, very consistent. Um, they're under six months, so this is very normal and to be expected. Um, what would be your suggestion to her? Yeah, like like how you said, um, like this could just be this could just be like their normal sleep cycle. But to me, the first thing that jumps out is sleep pressure. You know what I mean? If you are falling to sleep like independently, you're capable yeah. of doing you're you're capable of putting yourself to sleep. So what's going on that's making you have this short nap? Okay. It's like yeah. there could be a whole bunch of other factors, but typically at this age, I'm gonna go with sleep pressure, probably being too little or too short. I think that's a really good call because we know babies putting themselves to sleep, so we can remove sleep props from the yeah. potential cause. Exactly. Because if they were rocked to sleep, then it would be understandable that, you know, if we rock a baby to sleep in our arms and then place them in the crib and walk out, they wake up 32 minutes later and to do an environmental check, well, their environment's changed. You're gone. They're in a different room. They're in a sleep sack all of a sudden, like things are different. So they're going to wake up and, and be alerted to call for you. So, but in this scenario, that's not the case. They're putting themselves down. So we know everything's the same when they're waking up. They should, if they have the sleep pressure there, there's no reason why they shouldn't go back to sleep. So um, five months, we would be, and newly five months. So somewhere between two, two hours is at four months. That's the wake window. And at five months, it's two hours and 15 minutes. So somewhere in that range is what we would be aiming for. Um, and then if they're still waking up at that 13 minute mark, let's try going in, try rescuing, let's try helping extend that out and helping them do that so that they can kind of learn like, oh, okay, I should, I should be sleeping or waking up after 32 minutes every time. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, another thing too, is like, how many attempts are we going in to yeah. lengthen the nap? You know what I mean? Before we're calling it, you know, and mm -hmm. typically like when you're looking at daytime sleep versus nighttime sleep, of course, like nighttime sleeps is a little bit different because you have all night <laughs> essentially yeah. to try to get them back down to sleep or during the day, yeah. like you probably, if you're doing something like quick checks or something like that, you're, and you're not going to go in and not rescue the nap, depending on their age, it's kind of, I guess for this five month scenario, let's just say yeah. you're doing like a quick check. You know what I mean? You're doing like quick checks sure. or something. Um, yeah. Let's go in and do like two quick checks. And then after, after the second quick check and you've gone through like start to finish, like maybe it's time to call it, you know, and yeah. just, you know what I mean? Let's just call it. And that is the sleep cycle. Like they just had a shorter nap, start a new wake window. And hopefully the yep. next nap, they have a longer, more restorative nap and um, mm -hmm. just go on with your day, you know? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a nap that's one sleep cycle. Even if they're all one sleep cycle, the biggest like hindrance that that's going to cause you is that they'll be late to drop naps. Yeah. Right, like you, you'll you'll have to hold on to that last nap a little longer if they're not connecting any of their cycles, and just to make sure they're getting enough sleep, and you're getting close to like a relatively good bedtime. Yeah. But I think that's a really good good point you make is how are we reacting when they wake up? Are we rushing in there ten seconds after yeah. we hear them squawk and picking them up? And you know, of course, they're not going to go back down. So um, something else that you kind of mentioned earlier too is. It's really healthy and good for them to experience being alone in that in their crib, you know, and let them feel comfortable. Give them that opportunity to just hang out in there. Obviously, if they're like screaming, crying for you, then go get them, you know, yeah. use your judgment. It'll be based on how they're acting. But I think there's a lot of really good benefits to giving them that time to hang out if they're if they're content. And it will increase that total nap time, allows you to start your wake window a little later and pushes every the whole schedule back up slightly. Um, yeah. And this kind of like ties into like the other question that we have here as an example. And it's like, 
you know, my three month old is only taking 10 minute naps in her crib. She grunts and squirms until she wakes herself up. And this is like, yes, a really good example, because like you're saying, it takes that time being away from like, you know, mom or the caregiver or whatever to like figure out what it is like to be on your own in that crib, Mm -hmm. like going Mm -hmm. to sleep. And um, 10 minutes is like totally normal amount of time it would take for a three-month-old, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a 37-year-old, you know what I mean, to fall asleep yeah. at <laughs> night, you know what I mean? Grunting and squirming yeah. is like completely normal. And I know there's some like controversy around like leaving your baby alone in a crib. I just feel like when you say that statement, it sounds like, oh, we're leaving them alone. And it kind of like goes against like attachment theory or, you know, some people Mm -hmm. are really into like, you know, that style of of parenting. But like at the end of the day, allowing your child to be able to independently soothe themselves if they're feeling stressed or uncomfortable or know that like mom or dad isn't there and I'm able to calm myself down is like literally one of the biggest gifts I think that you can give a little little itty bitty tiny human you know what I mean so a little potato (laughs) you know I think you make a really good point and just to sort of bring back especially with the newborns but all all babies you know I mean until they reach a certain point, I would say, are you even my kids still have biological needs that they cannot satisfy? I'm still in the reality of wiping bums, you know, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as one point. But newborns, they could be hot, they could be cold, maybe they pooped, maybe their diaper's uncomfortable, maybe they're, you know, they have a yeah. fever or they're teething. All of these biological needs are still going to occur and they need us to yeah. fulfill them. For but sure. if they wake up and they don't have a a biological need or something that they can't satisfy on their own, then we want them to make, to have that option to be able to do it on their own. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's great. And like, you know, to go back to the, this lady that I'm like working with right now, her, she came to me when her son was seven weeks old, seven weeks. Yes. I recall. Yeah. You know, and he's just proactive. Turned, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> very proactive. <laughs> and we just had a follow-up call because she's entering the four month. Reg- he's like three and a half. And she thinks that yeah. there's some signs of regression coming on and there are, mm-hmm. but you know, he has been capable now since like he was like nine weeks of putting himself to sleep. So, Amazing. you know, and she's like exclusively breastfeeding, lots of attachment, lots of cuddles. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's. You don't have to miss out on any of those positive things. Yeah. Really? Like, you don't. I feel like that's a big fear for a lot of parents is like, if I choose to focus on sleep, it means that something else is going to miss, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, there's going to be a gap somewhere in our bond or something, but that's so not the case. I actually feel like sleep training really builds that secure attachment, to be honest. It builds trust. It, in, it instills that security for them to know, like, you're going to respond if they truly need you. Mm-hmm. But- <clears throat> and as they get older, like, it's hard, it's like easier to say now that our kids are older and easier for you because your kids are like damn near school age or one is school age. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when they, when sleep does go sideways, you're able to like identify what it is a lot quicker like oh, illness or sickness you, you know what I mean like yeah it was things are like so good all of a sudden then you're like they're able to kind of communicate with me or like when they cry out you're yeah. like okay like you know something's going on with them I need to like you know enter with a, you know a different 
with more like comfort, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. More energy, different energy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I noticed that even now, but especially when they were more, less verbal, especially, (laughs) but you know, obviously now they can just tell me what's going on. And usually it's just, you know, excuses and stalling tactics and whatnot. That's more like the difficulties at this age. But before it would be, you know, my kids always were, their sleep was so consistent that if it all of a sudden one night wasn't, I knew something was wrong, you know, like there was always a reason and it was so much easier to determine what's happening because it's not, because them waking up in the night isn't the norm, right? Whereas if they are always waking up, it's harder to see like, oh, are they teething or was it just a bad night, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So we're so chatty. I'm so distracting. But like, if we go back to this three month old, um, who's mm-hmm. taking 10 minutes to fall asleep. Um, again, this is totally normal. And this is normal for, like I said, pretty much any age to take about, you know, five, even up to 20 minutes, you'd say to like fall asleep yeah. or settle. Right. Um, but- and if it's taking them longer consistently than like 10, 20 minutes every time to go down, then again, sleep pressure is probably off right let's adjust yeah that. I always I always say it's pretty normal for anybody but especially babies it takes about 10 to 20 minutes to fall asleep yeah. but if you actually this question actually says that they the baby only naps for 10 minutes oh only naps. not taking 10 minutes to fall asleep um whoa so the 10 minute <laughs> nap is really short right like they're not yeah that's so short cycle yeah, so it sounds to me like, um, you know, she's grunting and squirming and waking herself up. It's probably some startle reflex in there mm-hmm. um, that potentially could be ha- tri- contributing to the w- them waking them up from the squirming. So it's very possible that they're not swaddling tight enough or well enough and they're breaking out would be kind of the top of, thing of mind for me um, outside of the sleep pressure because that's probably yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. Or you know, they're probably – yeah. Or – Maybe oh. they're not even really waking at all. Maybe yeah. they're grunting and squirming after that 10 minutes is this them getting comfortable or, you yeah, know what I mean? Are they crying? Are they crying to wake? Are we intervening after that 10 minutes? Like, what does that look like? There's a lot of things that we don't really know for yeah. sure, but that could be one of That's them. That's a really know? good point because especially <laughs> newborns, but even just, you know, infants, they're such active sleepers. If this is a new mom, it's very possible that she's just misconstruing those behaviors because it's wild how active they really are. I know. Like me and Josh used to like literally like like the world can't see me right now, but I'm like hiding my hands. Like I'm like, you know, like I'm like looking over like my like looking through like my kid's crib with like the baby monitor on being like, hey, like he's like making like a lot of weird noises like do we do something like what do we do like he's waking me up he's like in there grunting (laughs) i'm like the newborn fluttering and like you're like oh my gosh and you're already like so on edge about you know keeping your potato warm and alive (laughs) and you're like what is he doing i think the scariest part for me with the newborn was when how their their breathing is erratic like they'll Mm. skip a breath and like hold their breath for 30 seconds and you're just like breathe like what is happening (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I actually think that you make a really good point I think it could just be misconception of what is truly happening like are they fully waking up or are they just active sleepers because there's so much active sleep going on but um those sleep cycles are generally about 10 minutes so if they're doing a 10 minute part of that cycle and then going into the next one right um because within a 30 to 45 minute sleep cycle uh newborns have three 
met, uh, you know, deep sleep cycles that they're through. Mm-hmm. And then once they're past the four months smart stage, then they have five cycles like us. Yeah. So just but overall, like a little bit. overall too, like this age, if you're following wake windows and you feel like you're doing everything right and they're having like a sh- super short nap, pick them up, comfort them. Like they're three months yeah, old. Yeah, help them back pick down. Them, yeah, pick them up, comfort them and try for a couple of minutes to, or like a couple more attempts to get them back down. If not, mm-hmm. then just, you know, wake windows at this age are like what, like up to 90, 90 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, just try again. Maybe the next time it's like only 60 minutes, like under four months, like, under four months, um, I would just keep practicing. That's all you're really doing. Practice, 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 yeah. practice, 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 right? Like, yeah. if nothing went well the first time, try again, you know? The next yeah, time. exactly. That's it. Well, this nap, you know, this nap was short. No problem. Next nap. Nothing's we'll wrong again, with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, going back to kind of the, or continuing on the conversation with the newborn stuff, um, our new guide that we have created, um, we're calling it Bringing Home Baby. Um, and it's really kind of geared to just that, like it set you up for knowing day one, going before, like pregnant, before you've even had your baby, how do we prepare once the baby's home? What are we doing? Um, why don't you talk a little bit just about more of what's involved in the guide? Yeah. Okay. So I'm super excited and I love this. And I also love it too, because it's from, you know, a, you know, a mom who kind of, you know, started sleep training before sleep training age, you know what I mean? Like I just see its effectiveness and a lot of that is just like from knowing you and following you. So, you know, what are, what are some things from the very beginning that we can do? And it goes over, you know, first of all, like how to approach sleep, you know what I mean? Like, Mindset. Yeah. Mindset, um, bedtime routine. And it's really Schedule. just like your Bible of um, newborn information with sleep. It has scheduling, wake windows, um, feeding, you know, feeding, talk- you know what I mean? Yeah. Squ- I, talk I, a quite a bit about feeding in there. But, you know, um, and just... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, even, you know, how, how do we approach those night feeds? What's considered normal? When can we expect, like, what is sleeping through the night? What does that truly mean? You know, and, and how, when can we expect that when it, when your baby is showing signs of readiness to drop a feeding, how do we go about doing that? We kind of involve all of that stuff too. Yeah. And this is kind of what I I say, you know, I say, what is sleep training? You know what I mean? Like, obviously we're going to work on families like own individual personal goals and needs, but like sleep training ultimately is getting your little one sleeping throughout the night. How do we get them to sleep throughout the night with the ability of getting them to be able to soothe themselves, self-soothing? Yeah. How do we get them to become self-soothers? Well, from the very beginning, from day one, we can not use props and we can approach wake ups and sleep using different comforting techniques from the very, very beginning. And that's kind of what you're doing. And then we're going to practice them over and over. And what we do in the guide is walk you through what that looks like. What does mm-hmm. it look like comforting a newborn? How do I approach them if they wake up crying? Is it normal that they're waking up this amount? Can I have a schedule during the day? Yes and no. Like you're going to follow wake windows, mm-hmm. but it's unrealistic to have a schedule. You know what I mean? And it talks about that and it walks you through what that looks like. And so yeah. it is just like an overall guide of, you know, kind of what sleep training is and how it gets you set up from success from the very beginning um, and hopefully eliminating the need to, um, here I am air quoting again, doing formal sleep training 
again, yeah. because your baby will have the foundation of being able to soothe themselves and put them down to sleep independently, making yeah. it a lot easier moving forward. And it's just step by step of what that looks like. Well, and really for you and I, with our three children collaboratively, I we, none of us formally sleep trained. Yeah. Because this is the approach that we had kind of going in, right? Exactly. Um, now I had my, I didn't have, I both birthed both of my children before, <laughs> before I had this, <laughs> this company and this designation and everything. But I read the books. I like, this is why I got into this, right? Is mm-hmm. sleep is so important to me as a former insomniac and I didn't want that for my kids and all all that jam. Mm-hmm. So I went in and with this intention and now I just know so much more. I think I look back and it's like both kids was very different but you know I could have probably supported them more. You know, I was probably even more harsh than I needed to be because I was so like in my head about how sleep needed to be and how important it was and all these things so I wouldn't contact nap when I could when I should probably could have you know like me so I don't want parents to miss out on the support there and that bond and I want you to know that like you can have this incredibly close quality relationship while still having the best sleep everybody can get that's realistic right so much of this guide too is understanding like what is realistic what are what expectations should we have and what expectations can we toss out the window? Because yeah. so so much of us as new parents and old parents just play the comparison game so much. So much of it is about what is everyone else doing? What's normal? Is this good? Am I bad? Am I good? Like, <laughs> I know. And it's funny. Like, I get so hung up that too. It's like laughable to me now that like my kid's two and a half. But like at that time, <laughs> like it literally consumed my life. And so I know so many yeah. other people are like that. But something that we completely forgot to mention is what's super <laughs> wicked cool about this guide is that you can do it like while you're pregnant. Like you can download yeah. it and get it and get access to it and it can help you um set up your little one's sleep space like yeah Mm -hmm. like you know I mean at this age when you bring them home they're gonna most likely like be sleeping in a bassinet like with you in their room or like in the living room Mm -hmm. room sharing stuff like that but it's like okay well how can we still set that up for success like is it safe um, you know, having the blackout curtains, you know, um, noise machine, mm-hmm. all that stuff, you know what I mean? Getting you all set up for success, being able for being able to, um, you know, create and implement a bedtime routine and know what that looks like before you even get yeah. home from the hospital. Right. So mm-hmm. it just kind of like can um, alleviate a lot of stress, like, especially if you're like a real type A proactive planner, you know what I mean? Or maybe you're just curious to know, like, what is sleep training? And, um, you know, is this going to be for me? Because, you know, the goal is like the ability to like to create a foundation, you know, of, you know, healthy sleep habits, you know, that you can, can carry out, you know, your whole sleep training journey. So it's really interesting that, um, you know, you can, it's really cool story that you can do it like before or during, or like once they come. Um, so that's neat. I think something too, that we could look at maybe this year is maybe doing like a group class with, um, yes, you know, so we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is 
something that's on our kind of to-do list is to create some workshops for like, oh, everybody who's having a baby in July, 2024, let's get you all together and make a group and do some group coaching. So you have that support with like-minded parents and similar age ranges. So it gives you yeah. that network. But also everybody can get like answers from some that isn't like a Facebook group of just random. I know. You know like how cool would it, life. yeah. Like how cool would it be if like you and a couple of your, your girlfriends are all like pregnant or like family members or you like have a, a baby that are like a couple of months apart and you know you want to maybe like invite people over and like have one of us there and you can talk about it and like eat snacks and like open candid questions in front of your friends and just like it be more realistic and personal you know experience like talking about these things as like be prepared for your little one to to come home so lots yeah. lots and lots and lots of like good um valuable content and the guide for sure yeah, I think the biggest, the best thing about it is that it just simplifies everything. Like you, uh, I, there's, like I said, so many books, I've read so many books and so many articles and Google yeah. and, you know, there's so much information. It's overwhelming. So being able to just take that and like, you know, read a 20 minute guide and know that, okay, here we go. I, I have a good action plan now. And I know the most important info to implement, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and another great part about it is just that you can always chat with one of us too. Right. So yeah. this, obviously the guide is not customized to your baby and your scenario, but we can jump on the phone and talk those through too. Right. Yeah. And we're super fun to talk to. So everybody obviously, look, at <laughs> look at us, look at us. <laughs> Everybody should go and hang out with us, and chat with us, and learn all of the things um, about babies. Like, you know, and I just I was thinking about this when we were talking um, about individual goals. And I know, like, we've been this is probably like our longest podcast we'll ever have, but we haven't seen each other in a while, and we've got a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, different uh, approaches. So. This one family, she doesn't she doesn't want to stop nursing. She doesn't feel like nursing is a prop. It's not an issue for her. She wants to continue to nurse her kid to sleep. There's to nothing sleep, yeah. wrong with that. And I just like thought that was something that was like a really good point to make versus yeah. newborn or like if they're like 12 months, it doesn't matter. Like if you like when you choose to sleep um train and especially when you're working with a coach we keep going back to like, it's not one size fits all. And it's because we want to work yeah. with you to achieve your own personal goals. And maybe mm -hmm. you are struggling with short naps. Um, but maybe nighttime sleep isn't a focus for you. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. Or the opposite. Yeah. Or maybe you're a prop isn't a problem for you. You're okay having a longer bedtime routine because it's the only time of the day that you get to spend with your kid because you're both busy working yeah. parents. So maybe your 20 minute one. simplified bedtime routine isn't it for you. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. We'll work around that. You want a nurse to mm -hmm. sleep. You don't find nursing is a prop for you. You love that bond and that time with your kid. That's no problem. There's still tons of other things we can do to get them sleeping longer stretches and you can still continue to do that. So I just wanted to to um, talk about that because that's happening right now with a family I'm working yeah. with. And I just sometimes we think that, you know, we can't do all of these things, but we really mm -hmm. can do so much and still get them sleeping longer stretches of sleep. We just need to be realistic of what that might look like. And that's all. Yeah, that's the word I was going to say is as yeah. long as we have realistic expectations and goals, right? Mm -hmm. If your goal is to nur continue nursing to sleep, but drop all night feeds and get them sleeping 12 hours, well, if they're doing 
you know, three or four night feeds now, and we want to continue nursing the sleep. Is that realistic? You know, mm-hmm. so as long as we have realistic expectations, there's nothing that we will, we'll never tell you, you have to move them to their exactly. own room. You have to stop doing exactly. this. We're here to work with you and yeah. your goals. They're not exactly. our goals. Right. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's a really good point. And, and it's, I think it t- does potentially turn people away just thinking they have this mindset of like, oh, well, I'm doing this. They're going to tell me not to do this. Like, I really love contact napping. They're going to say I can't do that. So I'm not even going to go there yeah, in my mind. Yeah. But this yeah, is sleep training is not an option, right? Yeah. And especially for newborns, like like when you get the guide and you go through the guide, I think it might shock you to see how gentle of an approach it is. This is a go at your own pace approach. This is no rigid schedule. This isn't, you know, do or die. This is just like, how do you get up and going, you know, and make the best of your day? You know what I mean? Well, and it's not, it's not really even like a quick check. It's not like we're talking about, you know, yeah, we're not bringing in a sleep training method at this point. We're just setting up foundation basics. Yeah. This is this to be clear, like this guide would not be for you if you are looking to do formal sleep training. Right. So yeah. And your baby is over four months. Yeah. Yeah. This is specifically for newborns and you know, we recognize too at this age, there's no benefit for them being upset and crying for long periods of time at this age, no, we're always going to pick, always, always, always going to pick them up and comfort them. And so I think that's a really important point to make is that it's super yeah. gentle and it's super go at your own pace. And yeah. Yeah, no, that's really, really good point. Well, that is the, the bringing home baby guides available on the website. And obviously we're here to chat anytime you guys want, you can always book a free call, whether it's newborn or toddlers or whatever you're dealing with, we're here to help. Um, I'm thank you Sterling for taking the time to chat with me today. We finally got ourselves our act together and made it happen. And the next one won't be so long away. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have another episode up and running for you guys. Um, and I think I will be heading to my Instagram stories just to ask you all what you want us to talk about and what topics you think should be next. And, uh, we'll get some input from you guys there, but otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here again, Sterling. You're very welcome. And I love being here mm-hmm. and I love you like having me here all the time. So, and I just like connecting with everybody. So it's exciting. Thank you. It is. Thank you. <laughs> we love you. Well, everybody, you have a really great day and we will catch you on the flip side. Sweet dreams.